1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. If you're there, let me hear you say amen. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them just as He wanted them to be. If they were all, uh, all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, what's that word? Indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And verse 27 sums it all. If you can read with me, I'm reading out of the NIV. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Who here today is in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is in you? Who, therefore, is a part of the body of Christ? We are a part of the body as we are in Christ. Who's the head? Who? Jesus is the head. We are the body. From the neck down, it's on who? Now, it's not in our strength. It's not in our abilities. It's Him abiding in us, the Spirit abiding in us, placing us exactly where we need to be. About two and a half years ago, I was out splitting wood. I know a lot of people pray every time they hear I'm going to split wood. But for those that didn't know you, I'm just going to give you a thumbs up. I was out splitting wood two and a half years ago, and much to the chagrin of my, my neighbor who was running the splitter while I was putting the oak, and I placed it back in, and my thumb got caught between the oak block and the foot of the splitter. I looked at him, and I said very quickly, back off. And he pulled it back, and I looked down, and it basically looked like a spoon. It was that thin, and it looked like a spoon. And I remember running to the deck, the, de the lower deck steps going, uh, I don't know what I was doing. But suddenly I got to the bottom of the steps, and I'm like, wait a minute, why am I running? There's no Band-Aid in there that's going to fix this. And so why am I so eager to get in the house? Praise the Lord, I walked in, I wrapped it up, I told the kids to keep watching TV, I called my dad, I needed him to come watch the kids, I called Tracy, she was at work. Then I looked out at my poor neighbor who was about having a heart attack, I'm like, hey, 
I have nobody else to take me to the hospital. Why don't you go ahead and call 911 for me? Because I thought, this poor guy, i got to give him something to do or he's going to just gonna fall apart. So as I stood there, after I've gotten ta- everything taken care of, waiting for the ambulance, I'm looking there and I'm going, wow, interesting. I don't know if I'm going to get to keep this thing or not. Now, my number one concern was, I want to keep playing guitar. Even overriding. I mean, you can use a computer, right? You can type. I want to play guitar. Um, but I remember standing there going, all right, Lord. Um, I can do this <coughs> and serve you. It's going to be a struggle, but I can serve you with or without a thumb. I've learned something here. The Lord taught me something, me particular, in particular. He said, you know, this hand will not operate fully without your thumb, Dave. And I want you to be whole in that. So, praise the Lord, that one blood vessel out of two was saved, and I kept my thumb. Okay? My hand would have continued to be a hand whether I had this thumb or not, but I'm going to tell you what, would it have been a whole and healthy hand? Would it have been able to do everything that it needed to do? I was already coming up with ways to play guitar whether I had a thumb or not, man. I'm going to tell you what, I had credit cards between my fingers. I mean, it was crazy. I was just like, you know, I'm going to play guitar. I don't care if I ever write again. It's playing guitar. But praise the Lord, um, in His mercy and in His grace, I still have it. And my thumb, while I can't bend it, it's still doing what it needs to do. And my hand is healthy, and it's whole. Amen? As it was intended to be. Amen? Here's the thing. The Lord has a body that He wants whole and healthy. Amen? And if it's missing any part, you you think, you know, what about a leg as opposed to a thumb? Oh, I'd rather lose the thumb. Yeah, but guess what you couldn't do without a thumb? What couldn't you do without a leg? Exactly. What about a toe? Brother Jay Fox just lost his big toe a week and a half ago. Had it removed because of a horrible case of gout. Your big toe controls your balance. He's having to kind of relearn how to walk. We're talking about a big toe. So I'm asking you all, when it comes to the body of Christ, if we're missing any member or any portion of the body, are we functioning in a healthy way, in a whole way? No, we're not. What we're looking here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is this. There are all sorts of parts body, uh, uh, there's the eyes, there's the ears, there's the mouth, there's all, all sorts, there's the feet, there's the hands. But the bottom line is, all of them, if you really want to get into a very specific thing, they're all gifts, okay? How many like gifts? All right, quiet bunch. Come on. How many like gifts? Yes. And how many know that the Lord bestows upon us spiritual gifts? Oftentimes, we have a spiritual gift, we have a ministry gift, we have motivational gifts, but they are gifts that only come from who? And therefore, just like a remote, they're not going to work unless they have the appropriate power in them. And who's the power? Holy Spirit. Okay? 
But here's the thing. We're all gifted. And in Romans 12, says this. Just listen to me real quick. It says, each of us having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, but, and I love how the, the English Standard Version says this, it says, let's use them. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Who has gifts? According to the Word, you better what? I'm going to say it again. Who here has God given a gift to? Now, some of you are sitting there, I don't know what it is. I don't care if you don't know what it is. I just said, who's been given a gift according to the Word? What's the Word say then? Use them. Use them. Well, I don't know how. I don't even know what it is. We'll keep pressing in, but you better understand the Lord's gifted you, so you be prepared to what? Use them. Now, here's the crazy part. Um, many people, a lot of people have done this. I've been guilty of this. We'll go through these like spiritual gift seminars or workshops, and we'll go through all this process to find out what our spiritual gift is. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, and, and how many get eager? What is my gift? What is my gift? By the way, for the most part, uh, my guess is if you're in Christ, you've already kind of been walking in your gift. You may just not know it. And the Lord wants to encourage it and grow it. But you, you've already probably been walking a bit in your gift. But here's the thing. Oftentimes, we try to find out our spiritual gift to make us feel like we got some worth, like we got some identity. Oh, I remember walking out, oh, man, I'm an exhorter. I don't even know how to spell it, but I'm an exhorter. Yeah, man, how about you? Oh, you're mercy. I'm, exor- I'm, I'm exhortation. How about you? I'm a teacher. Great. I'm an exhorter. Longer word. And it has an X in it. Beat that. Okay? We look at those things and we're like, huh, that gives us some kind of sense of identity. Here's the problem. Your spiritual gift has absolutely not one cotton-picking thing to do with you. Your spiritual gift has nothing to do with you. Nothing. Let me reiterate that. Your spiritual gift, who has spiritual gifts? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just going to read about five verses, and I think you're going to get the point. Okay? 1 Peter 4.10. You can jot these verses down. I'm just going to read them to you. 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you, where's each of you? Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Number one, your gift is for what? So this is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Christ himself gave apostles. Well, oftentimes we call these offices, but this is still giftings. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Our giftings, our callings are for who? And specifically, in this case... The body. The body. Oh, let me keep going just in case you're not convinced. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. I'm going to read it first out of the NIV, and then I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this. I like this one. Now to each one, where are all my each ones? 
Okay, to, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What's the common good mean? You're gifted for... Any guys in here used to think you were God's gift to women? I know, none of them are. I'm waiting for that one guy to be like, you're darn right. <laughs> Nancy's like, that's right. I had to go out and snatch him away. No, I, I use that facetiously, but here's the thing. We are God's gift to the body. You can walk around declaring in humility... I am God's gift to the body. Has anybody ever thought of that before? I am God's gift to the body. Yes, you are. I'm going to tell you what, when you're about to lose a thumb, you realize what a gift it is to have a thumb. When Jay has lost his big toe, Jay is realizing what a gift that big toe was. I'm talking about the little stuff that we oftentimes overlook. You are God's gift to the body of Christ. Not by anything you've done, but by what the Lord is doing in you. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, the Living Bible says, The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Here's 1 Corinthians 14. Everybody still with me? 1 Corinthians 14, 12. You want to jot that down. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit. You say, eager? What's that mean? According to Paul in 1 Corinthians, we should be open, willing, and able and saying, yeah, bring it on. God, gift me any way you want because it's not about who. It's for who. Lord, gift me anyway. In other words, goes right back to the Abrahamic blessing where he says, I, I will bless you that you may be a what to others. Blessing, so it goes, Lord, bless me in the gifts department. Why? Because it goes on to say, so it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. You can't get much, much plainer than that. If you want to be blessed... Here you go. You want to be blessed somebody else. You make blessings all about you, guess what? You're not living the gospel. You're not living truth. But you eagerly re re desire the blessings, the gifts that build up the church. Go for it, man. That's what Paul said, doesn't it? Isn't that what he said here in 1 Corinthians? And I like 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. This will be the last one of these. It says, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? Where does, where's the brothers and sisters at? Okay, right here. When you come together, each of you. Oh, I like that. Let's look up there. When you come together, what does it say? Everyone. Where's everyone at? Everyone has a what? Or a word of instruction or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the what? It says everyone has something, whether it be a hymn, whether it be a word of instruction or revelation. Or, everybody has something 
That must be done for the strengthening of the what? Oh, who's hearing me right now? You are God's gift to the body. And the body is God's gift to the world. Oh, I just lost everybody. Y'all like... You are God's gift to the body, and the body is God's gift to the what? The world. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what is the only chance the world has? The influence of the Holy Spirit. Had an opportunity here to meet with somebody this past week. Let me just share just real quick. Someone I've known for a little while. He's told me several times, he said, you know, I've known for years that I have a calling on my life. Well, we all do, right? He said, I knew I've had a ministry calling in my life, but he said, I just, I just couldn't believe it. I, I would fight it. About five years ago, he began to walk out in faith. Everybody say in faith. Began walking out in faith. Being, uh, receiving the, uh, the blessings, the equipping, the encouragement to move in the calling that he knew God had called him in. And really, let's simplify, to be a part of the body, right? To be a part of the body. About a year, year and a half, he was walking it out in ways that he hadn't walked before. Was he perfect in, in what he was in? No, he was growing in this, but he was walking by what? Faith in doing that. And it's crazy, it began to change him, transform him. Then, then a tragedy hit. Something very tragic happened in his life. I won't go into all the details. And for a little while after that, he was still walking by faith. But then as, as, as times happen, he hit a wall. Anybody hit that wall before? And here's what happens so oftentimes. Many of us, we hit that wall, and really when we simply should drop to our knees, we do one of two things. We run away, run back from whence we've come, or we start fighting, getting angry. Well... And a little bit of both. And he did a little bit, a whole lot of both. And what I have begun to see over the last now four and a half years is a young man who began by walking by faith in his calling, running full blast away from it. And here's where it came out. Here's what happened. Out of fear, out of the fact that he could not uh, believe, A, and anger, that the Lord would even do these, the, what he did, but then how could the Lord use him anyways for how he felt, in, in, given how he felt, being angry at God? I'll just be a hypocrite, so I'm done. His life has done this to where there's hardly anything left to him. I had the opportunity to be with him, and I looked at him, and he's going on and on this week, and he's going on and on, and I said, you know, what was the last thing the Lord told you to do? Well, after he looked at me with much, a lot of chagrin, you know, and, well, to 
to walk by faith. It's in verbatim, but to walk by faith what I was called to do. He said, yep. How long ago was that? About five, six years ago. What's happened since the last time when, when, when you turned your back and ran the other way? I said, yeah, because you made this all about you. God, didn't, God wasn't sitting around going, okay, you better uh, watch yourself because I can't use you unless you get perfect here. See, God was interested in using this young man as a gift to the who. And the enemy influenced him with lies. He believed lies. And now life has gone downhill. When I looked at him, I said, when you started making all of this, including your calling, about you and what you could and could not do, declaring that to the one who gave it to you in the first place to be used for everyone else, when you made a choice, a conscious choice, to make that declaration as if you are God, where did life go? And I'm not just talking life going downhill like, oh, he's depressed. I'm talking is bad news. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? So I'm looking at this young man, and he's got tears just pouring, running out of his eyes. <laughs> he's just welling up. And I'm sitting there thinking, because I'm going to be honest, when, I got in the, when he got in the car, I thought, what else am I going to say to this guy? But it was like the Lord was right there and spoke that to him. Look, I called you, and I called you for a purpose. I called you for a purpose. And because, yes, this happened, you quit. You quit. Look, I'm going to tell you what. God is not going to find a whole lot of pleasure in people that simply sit under the teaching of the Word and do nothing with the gifts He's given them. Coming to church and gathering together is the encouragement of the building up and the growing together. But the Lord's not so concerned about you just solely sitting under the teaching of the Word and doing nothing else. You have been gifted. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, and I, I said, I, I, I thought about it after as I was pulling away, when Paul said, do not, everybody say do not, do not neglect your gift. Paul was saying that to Timothy. You know why he was saying that to Timothy? Because Timothy was, could be a little bit scared of stuff. He was young. He thought everybody would look down on him. Guess what? Timothy really didn't even feel very equipped to teach and lead and preach because he felt so young and all these older people, and he just knew he wasn't the right guy. And Paul's like, get over yourself. Do not neglect the calling on your life. Don't you dare. He says, which has been given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Okay, maybe the body of elders has not laid their hands on you, but God has gifted you. Oh, you've lost me, haven't you? I've lost you. Okay, God has gifted you. When you neglect and sit on your call, when you sit on your call, and do nothing with it. You have set yourself up in a bad way. And here's the sad part. I don't want to get too far here yet. Let's just look at Matthew 25. You're going to be like, oh, this is kind of heavy. Wow. No, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to bring some conclusion here because this is a tough one for me to preach today. 
But Matthew 25, a master was going away and he gave one servant a certain number of talents. Gave him ten. Gave another servant a certain number of talents. Gave the last servant one talent. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He didn't want us interested in knowing how many talents we had. God is never going to be interested of you, about your quanti- the, the quantity of what you've got. He wants to see your faithfulness in what you do have. Everybody hear that? So if one of you is gifted in one way, and that's it, God simply wants to see you, how faithful you are in that one gift. Stop looking at the person who seems to be gifted in so many other ways. You know what? God's not interested in you looking at them because that person over there has got to be faithful with those too. And what we find out in Scripture is that what does God do with those that are faithful? He multiplies, doesn't He? When you're faithful over a few things, what's He going to do? He'll make you master over many. Well, we know what happened. The first two servants go and they uh, uh, made twice what they'd been given. They went out there and they were faithful. They used their what? Their gifts. Their calling. They used them. But that one who even had the least, he was afraid. He dug a hole. He stuck it in. He hid it. We know how it ends. The master was not happy, to say the least. And guess what? It had nothing to do with the quantity. It had to do with the faithfulness. The master wanted to know, is he at least faithful in doing what I asked of him? Let's say that last servant had gone out and did all he could to try to double that, that, that talent, and it didn't do anything. At least he what? At least he was obedient and faithful. Fortunately, we serve a God that says, you be obedient and faithful, guess what? You'll be successful in what I do through you. Here's the thing, church. Where's the body of Christ again? I want to make sure you're with me. The body of Christ. Here's the thing. The enemy, who's our enemy? All right, it's not your husband or your wife. It's not your next-door neighbor. It's not your boss, right? I, sometimes I have to remind the church of that, sadly enough, and I have to remind myself that. We fight not against flesh and blood. The enemy is Satan, the enemy of our soul. And what I find interesting, I've heard it before, but I'm seeing it clear and clear. Tracy was brought it up again last night. Satan will always attack you. where he knows you're going to be most effective, so he wants to shut you down. He wants to shut you down, where he knows you're going to be most effective because that's what God's gifted you in. God will, or Satan will always attack you at your gifting. One of two things will happen. He'll either make you feel so insecure or so fearful or give you apathetic, cause you to want, want, want to take an apathetic role where you don't use it at all, or you make it all about who? As long as he can make you ineffective, that's his goal. 
Now, I want you to think about every area where the enemy has tried to attack you. I guarantee if you really start looking somewhere on the line, it's connected to your call, to your gift. As long as he can make you insecure, as long as he can shut you down and make you think that you're unable to do what God's called you to do, and so there's just no way, you know what? The enemy's happy. Why is that? Because the enemy knows this. Satan knows this. A healthy body is absolute devastation for the enemy. A healthy body is absolute destruction for the kingdom of hell. Why is it that, the, why is it that hell will not prevail? The gates of hell will not prevail? Because the body will be healthy and whole, and the Holy Spirit move, the power moving through the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is the body, the power moving, will so annihilate the enemy. And every work that he has set out to do, the enemy knows, hey, the only way I can do this is try to take the body out one member at a time. So if I can just make them think other things are more important, that's all I need to do. If I can just make them think that they, they are too, their past is too horrible for them to have any future, in a, that's all I need to do. If I can make them sit there and think, oh, I'm such a hypocrite, I'm, so, I'm, I'm still in sin, well, get, the, get, get yourself right before the Lord because He wants to forgive you and then get forward. He says, there's no way, I, 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 I struggle, I'm, I, how am I supposed to do this and do that? Lord, I, I physically, how am I supposed to, I remember going with my thumb, how am I supposed to worship you, Lord? Well, that's not the question. The real question is, Lord, I'll keep worshiping you in your strength. What did Paul say? He said, look, I keep moving and working with the power that so powerfully is working in me. It has nothing to do with what I can do. <clears throat> I think it's interesting. Matthew 5, 14, uh, Jesus declared, and you are the light of the world. Who's read that before? Because he said, I'm the light, you are the light. Who do you think he's talking to specifically? Is he talking to each one of us? Mm, yeah. But a more specific, better way, who's he talking to? Now, I'm going to remind you guys of something. What do we know about darkness? darkness is anybody able to get a, a switch, kind of like a dimmer switch, that can turn the darkness up? Anybody here able to control darkness? You can only control what? Light. Darkness is simply the absence of light. So if there is darkness around us, it's because the light is not shining very bright. Who just heard that? And who is the light of the world? And how does the light of the how does the light of the world, aka the church, how does that continue to grow in power as we all, as individual members, keep growing and walking in obedience, our calling and gifts? We have got to be connected. 
Folks, we cannot find a reason to not be connected. We can't. Even if some, one of you did an awful thing and talked behind my back and I'm mad at you now, we'll talk after service. No, I'm just joking. Even if one of you did something to me, I have no excuse to run away from the body of Christ. Hey, I can run to another congregation where they might like me more, but amen? I am called for the betterment of this body. And White Hill is just a portion of it. But for whatever reason, the Lord's got me here for now. So guess what? I am most, I am most this group of people's gift. Okay, now, no, 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 no. Stand up, brother. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, you didn't hear the creaking up here when I did that. Wow, I heard the... There's your gift, body. There's your gift, body. Now, here's the thing. Yay, there are gift. You know what the flip side is? Hey, we need you. Please keep walking. Keep, please keep being obedient. Please don't take breaks from service, from serving the Lord. Please. Well, how can I... The Lord will have to work those aspects out. Don't stop. Don't stop because we are better together. And that's not just a nifty slogan. That is the truth. The light will shine brighter the more we're together. And the more we're together and the light shining brighter, darkness is slipping away. And the more darkness is slipping away, the more the kingdom of God is growing. You want to know what happened at Pentecost? There was an immediate surge of the Holy Spirit in every person. Giftings were poured out. And for that moment, it was unbelievable. The mouth got up and spoke. Who was the mouth? Peter. But all the other giftings were working. Maybe they were just standing there for the moment, but guess what? The giftings were working and the light was shining and 3,000 people that day came to know the Lord. Oh, doesn't that excite you? Doesn't that excite you? 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to end with this. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, where are you at? Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Don't let Satan in. Don't let Satan allow an open door to, to lie to you that you cannot accomplish what God has called you to for the body. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully. Everybody say that word again. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord will not be in vain. See, here's the thing. It's very easy for me to preach for myself. And I know you guys go, what? Yeah, I like a pat on the back that I preached good. Right? I like that. There's a problem with that. If that's the only reason I'm preaching, we're getting a weaker body. I'm sure some of you like it when you feel like you've done well. You're helping somebody, you're serving somebody, but you start to lean on the fact that it makes you feel what? Good. 
As Tracy shared, I have no idea who placed that check in our mailbox. But you know what? Someone gave a spirit of giving. And a giver put a check in our mailbox. And that, that, that money, it's just, as good, it's just as well that that person remained anonymous. But oh, how it encouraged another part of the body. That we could then share in testimony to encourage more of the body. That we may see more and more people walking out in faith the fact that, God, I am here to be used by you for the, ba- for the, for, for the body here. And somebody said the other day, it only takes two to start a fight. But it only takes one to bring peace. And when the one is our center, and when we become one as they are one, that's what we're looking for. As we are drawn together. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. There are teachers still here. That's somewhere along the line. The Lord has, you feel like that, that, that your time is done. And I've heard some of you say this, been there, done that. You better flush that phrase down the commode. The Lord is not going to accept that as a, uh, as a phrase when you stand before the throne. Nor is it, I'm too old, or I'm too young, or I'm too this, or I'm too that. Folks, you better flush all the excuses now. The Lord has called you. Your calling started when he said, you said yes, and your calling ends when he, you stand before him and he says yes. Come on in, thy good and faithful servant. It doesn't end. I really believe Pastor Jim will just wither away behind his desk. I don't even know if he knows what the word retirement starts with, what letter it starts with. It's just, and I just use him as an example. Now, does that mean he's here for the rest of, I don't know, or Lane, or Aaron, or Leah, or Steele, our little pastor in the making? You know, or Kendall, or uh, Jim, or whoever. I don't know what the Lord has to hold for you tomorrow, but what I know is you are in the body today and tomorrow. Start walking out your gifts. Start walking in by faith your gifts. He's called you. He will. What's Philippians 1, 6? What he has begun, he will finish. Don't let the enemy tell you otherwise. Does everyone hear that? Do not sit on your calling. Start walking it out and let Holy Spirit power do the work through you so that we get the dimmer switch all the way up. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, God, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that we do have an opportunity to be better together, and that's because of you. So, Lord, continue your work in us. Thank you for every gift and every calling represented in this house today. Lord God, I want to thank you, Lord, for strengthening us to walk out faithfully what you've called us to in spite of how we feel. Lord, I think of the days I do not feel like getting up here. (laughs) I think of the days that I just hurt or I'm weak or physically I just feel so horrible. And, and, And yet, Lord, 
I want to thank you for the strength to say what I've got, what you've got me to say. And Lord, for all those that come, in spite of how they feel or what's going on, they choose to be amongst the body here to encourage, to minister to, to love, to show your grace and your mercy. God, I want to thank you right now. We do not have to sit on our calling. We do not have to sit on our gifts because it has nothing to do with us. It's you in us and through us. Here we are. God, you're good. And we praise your holy name in Jesus' holy name. Thank you, Lord. Let's just stand for a second. I'm going to change the, the, a word in a song here. And I just want to say, Lord, prepare us to be a sanctuary. Let's see. Oh, Lord, prepare us to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for one, one last time. Oh, Lord, prepare us to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. We will, will be a living sanctuary for you. Hey, love on somebody next to you. Just encourage them and tell them the Lord loves them.